Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. The First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. Keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL draft every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, a lot of big moves in the NFL because they just demand so much attention. But first... All right, so uh, Sunday was uh selection sunday cool like am i the only person that feels that way like like, am i the only person that's just kind of like oh okay like this feel like some like i remember this time of year would come around and it was a real big deal yeah yeah and part of what's wild about it to me at least what feels like at least for me personally, is a like lack of concern for the tournament, but it also feels like a lack of a push behind it, and it's kind of a general lack of push behind college basketball at this point. But part of it for me that I find to be interesting is that this is like gambling Valhalla. You know what I mean? Like you got all these games that you get a chance to make a bet on and show off how much you know to all your friends and everything else. Like, and I worked at a station that was very heavily, you know, centered around gambling. This was a big time of year, and we are in the time of life where gambling on sports is more omnipresent in the coverage than it's ever been. Like Kyrie said that in you know his little crazy little thing he was doing, but that's where he had a point. Where he's like, hey, man, this is getting a little wonky and weird how we doing this gambling thing, and this is the biggest gambling thing in the world, and it still feels like we don't care so much about the NCAA tournament this year. I personally don't really know anything about the teams that are in the tournament. Like, I'm so glad I don't do everyday television because I don't like to lie. I'd have just been up there lying, dog. Like, I I mean, I'd have, yeah, yeah, I watched these guys guys play many, many times. No, I haven't. I got nothing on it. I, I, I got nothing that's there. And I think there's so many factors that tie in to how we get here. But the question about college basketball is, what are you supposed to care about, Right. Like, I think it's the old Jerry Seinfeld line about sports that we root for laundry, that that's the idea. And there's something to that, right? Like, if you got your individual teams that you pay attention to or whatever it is, you do root for those teams. But it doesn't make you watch college basketball. You know what I mean? Like, those are kind of two different ideas. So you root for laundry and you might watch those teams. But college basketball used to be a national discussion. Like a guy like J.R. Reed could make the cover of Sports Illustrated, for example. I understand that making magazine covers don't really matter to those of y'all that ain't never heard of a magazine before. But a player of that caliber could be somebody. Like a Tyler Hansbro was a nationwide star in a way that Luke Garza, who is a very comparable sort of figure and player, never got to. By the way, Dan just told me it's Luca Garza, which is kind of in line with what it is that we're talking about here, right? But... I want to run something by you related to that that happened yesterday. So I'm at the house and I don't remember exactly why, but I was like, you know, 
I've been hearing about this Scoot Henderson fellow, but I have not actually like watched him play. I saw that he was in the rookie sophomore game at the All-Star weekend, which something I did not think got nearly enough push was the NBA putting this dude from G League Ignite into that game very similarly to the way that they put Mac McClung in the dunk contest. Like the reach to try to get people into stuff. But the other level of it was Scoot Henderson is going to be a star. Like you've heard all that stuff about Win Banyana, right? Big Vic, because he's 7'4 and he's from France. We ain't never seen nothing like this. But the way that people had talked about this draft was like, okay, there's a one and there's a two, right? But they're talking about it like it's an Oten Durant sort of situation. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I mean, granted, we know how it went with Oten, but like you really can't lose with these two picks. So I'm like, yeah, if you guys are that hype on this dude, maybe I should go on YouTube and watch him because I don't have that impulse to just like, yo, I'm gonna go look something up on YouTube right fast, right? Like, I don't have that. So I pulled up some Scoot Henderson footage. Guys, 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 this dude is un real i have no other way that i can describe this i cannot think of a time ever and i'm not exaggerating here that i have seen a player that age that size that explosive and also from what i can tell a pass first point guard like i i'm not i'm not joking with you I have never seen a prospect like this. So I watched, it was like a five-minute cut-up of his highlights, and then they ran the highlights from that game that he and Big Vic played against each other in Vegas, where G League Ignite were playing against the French squad. And, oh, yeah, you get one or two, dog. I think you're going to be cool in this draft. I really, really do. But what's crazy about this is the idea that I got to go on YouTube to watch that dude play. That's what's wild about this. And this is what jumps out to me and makes you look at college basketball and be like, damn, we really, really, really do have a problem. Because the truth is, it makes sense for Henderson to go to G League Ignite. One, they're actually going to pay him money, right? Like that, that part is big there. And two, I can see the argument that playing in G League Ignite is going to prepare you better as a player for the NBA than playing according to college rules. I see all of those things. They all make sense, right? However, this dude, if he played college basketball, we would be watching college basketball. If he went, I don't even know if he got to go to one of the big schools, right? But if he went to one of those big schools, like if he was at Carolina, if he was at Duke, if he was at Kentucky, if he's at any of those places, he is one of the biggest stars in America right now. He's that good. He's that exciting. All of those things. Meanwhile, the most interesting player in college basketball only came onto your radar because we had reason to believe that he aided and abetted a felony. That's it. And by the way, people I trust are saying that that dude, Brandon Miller, is not in a terribly different class than these other guys that we're talking about. Have you watched Brandon Miller play a minute of basketball this year? A minute, right? And so the thing that college basketball always had going for it in its glory days was that the best players in the world under the age of 22 were all there. That's where they were playing. 
Now, these dudes have more options, right? You can decide you want to go do the college route. You can decide you want to go do G League Ignite. I mean, you can just decide you're going to go do G League, right? In any form or fashion. You can decide that you want to go do the overtime elite thing or whatever it is. If you're real adventurous, you can decide you want to go to Europe. You can go all these places and do all these things. But what that ultimately means is all the players are going all these places, which means we don't really wind up in a situation to watch them against each other, right? And so I think for us, as sports fans, as people who view and consume this, the NBA is basketball at its highest level. That is the place I would prefer to watch basketball over anywhere else. I've had lots of criticisms of the college game for a number of reasons for a long time. And really, my criticisms of the college game are less criticisms of the game than criticisms of the people who actually try to tell you that it's better than the NBA, right? Like those are the people who, honestly, many of whom suffer from that sism. Because it's very difficult for me to explain how it is that a bunch of guys who are worse are going to be playing better basketball while also playing less creative basketball than the guys in the NBA. You're, you're just not going to get me there. But it's so, we lose by not having an 18 to 22 year old basketball playing space to watch. Like there's something unique and special and different about that. So, you know, I grew up going to school in a small town. And so like the value and the charm of watching high school basketball, what makes it interesting is different. Like it's the emotions, it's the seeing the one guy, like it's all these different factors that come in here. Part of the charm of watching college basketball is getting on to a guy and watching the development. It may be two years, it may be three years, it may be four years, whatever it is, but it's like getting into that. College basketball doesn't have anything to keep you attached at this point. Like the players that you really think are good or that you really want to watch, they're not going to be there for that long. They're trying to get out of there as quickly as possible for reasons that we all understand. The transfer portal has set up a situation where there's little to no consistency with those teams. So you can't even really get attached to a unit, right? Like you think about the Fab Five. We got, we'd have got a year out of the Fab Five, right? Now, granted, we only got two out of the whole five. But we at least got three years out of the four players. And the dude that left didn't leave just because he was going to the NBA. He left because he was going to be the number one overall pick. He was a prospect unlike any we'd seen in his position up until that point. But why? what's there to, keep, to get us here? What's there to keep us here? We ain't even got coaches no more. Like all the coaches that you know and all the coaches that you recognize are chucking the dudes all being replaced by wholly unremarkable dudes. Right? Like, is there a college basketball coach you hate? Is there a college basketball coach you love? No, they're just there. They're just guys that happen to coach the college basketball team. And so we look up at this tournament. We don't really have any players that we're thinking about. We don't really have any personalities for us to attach ourselves to. We don't have any teams that we think are great. The marquee programs are kind of, sort of, nowhere to be found. Like, guys, I'm going to go through the AP Top 25 on this one for you, right? Because I think this would be a little more reflective and honestly easier to read off the page than try to go through the bracket. Now, the top five teams are Houston, UCLA, Kansas, Alabama, and Purdue. Now, of course, UCLA and Kansas, big-time programs, certainly. Name some players. All right, University of Houston, quietly more of a big-time program than you recall. University of Houston has been to the Final Four six times. 
six somehow does not get credit for going to the tournament six times. They definitely have a more established track record and history than Georgetown. They just don't play in the Big East. Georgetown, which has been to four Final Fours. Again, Houston, been to six. All right. Alabama, Purdue, Marquette, Texas, Arizona. Hey, they're back. Gonzaga. Oh, okay. Baylor. Oh, okay. What do you care about here? Like, I'm not saying that these aren't teams that have not, these, these teams have not been successful at any point. But they don't get you going. They don't get you charged up. And so what gets you charged up? Well, I will tell you, I think this is part of why college basketball is hurting at this point, aside from the personnel situation. I don't know if any of you guys ever been to Canada before. But you go. I like Canada. But you go to Canada, and they have TSN, which is kind of the analog to uh, ESPN here. And on TSN, they have Sports Centra. You know what I mean? We have Sports Center. They have Sports Centra. You know, they, they, they spell like the British do. They got Sports Centra. Okay. It can be first week of July. It can be 85 degrees outside. And the lead story on Sports Centra is hockey. It don't matter what's going down. Their lead story is hockey. Okay. I bet when the Raptors won the title, the lead story was hockey. They probably had the anchors up there in Raptors hockey jerseys. That is where we are in America about football. That's where we are. The NFL is going to lead no matter what in this whole college basketball season is always going while some football thing is going on. And then we got the NBA or anything, you know, and all these things, whatever else. But there used to be a space where you could kind of bounce between NBA and college basketball, right? We don't do that no more. We just don't. Like the irrelevance that college basketball has gotten is so staggering and mind-blowing. And I do think a big part of it is the NFL because the NFL has found a way to never go away. It is always in our face in one form, fashion, or another. Oh, hey, speaking of which... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, let's talk about the NFL. I mean, the NFL popped up. They jumped up. Jalen Ramsey got traded to the Dolphins. Gotta say, a lot more interesting than the bracket. I don't even think I'm gonna do a bracket this year, by the way. Like, it dawned on me. I could, but I'd be just like, like I'd just be writing down names, dog. Like, I ain't, ain't, ain't gonna have no math to it. I'm gonna put H-Town in the finals. 
because that's what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? But otherwise, anyway, back to this. Jalen Ramsey going to play for the Miami Dolphins. Now, we got my man Parker here who is from Miami but hates the Dolphins. What does your hatred for the Dolphins come from? It's a love-hate relationship. They've just done nothing but embarrass me my entire adult <laughs> life. Actually, my entire life, period. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're too young to have, like, any legitimate positive memories. Yeah, no, Dan Marino retired, like, when I was, like, three or something. So it's, yeah, no, just nothing good. I mean, yeah, that's a little rough. You, you, you've got something there, but they exciting now. Like, I still, I don't know how they, I mean, they don't have the first round picks in order to pull it off because they was out there sniffing around Tom Brady, but I don't see why they not trying to do whatever it takes to get Lamar Jackson. You put, like, the idea you can have Lamar Jackson on your team and he might be the third fastest player on the offense? Woo! And now you look at that secondary, and they're going to have Xavier Howard, H-Town, on one side, Jalen Ramsey on the other, and my man Javon Holland in the secondary. Oh, Okay. The Dolphins are coming to play. Meanwhile, I don't know what the hell the Rams are doing. The Rams, I mean, I do know what they're doing, but still, they look like they're having a going out of business sale. Like, that's the only way to look at it. And the way I see it, they got two good players left. Literally two. Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. I know some of you are like, what about Matthew Stafford? I am assuming he is finished. Like, given his age, given how it went last year on the basis of injury, given all the miles that he's got, I think he's finished. And so the Rams went all in on getting themselves that Super Bowl. And they did. Bless their heart. They got it. But what the hell are they going to do? Like, how bad are they going to be? Because you realize that last year where they had those big ticket items and then they looked around and was like, hey, who going to block? And blocking was not there. Cam Akers want to get the hell out of Dodge, and I feel like they looked at him like, no, nah, dog, we ain't really got nobody else. Like, that's not, that's, that's, no, 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 no. That's not going to go down. They are, whew, yikes, they are going to be dreadful. And what I don't get about it is, Sean McVay, like, nah, I don't want to retire. I want to see how this goes. Aaron Donald, nah, I don't want to retire. I want to see how this goes. Aaron Donald, son, why have you not retired? I mean, I guess it's a possibility that you might have to get him back some money. Let him have it, man. Like, let, let him go ahead and have it. I just can't look at any scenario, circumstance, anything else it is, looking at that team and think to myself, oh, yeah, I'd like to play for them. Yeah, that would be great. Um, in other news, other NFL things, the Carolina Panthers made their move to the top of the draft. And first of all, shout out to all you morons who really thought the Bears were going to draft a quarterback. You got to be kidding me. You really thought that they would look at Justin Fields after putting two years in and be like, nah, 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 nah. We'll just, rather than trade this pick and get lots of picks and maybe some players, no, 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 no. We'll just throw in the towel on these two years we work with this young quarterback so that we can start all over with another young quarterback and hope he's as good as Justin Fields. Yeah, that makes, that's ridiculous. Nah. They made that trade. They got them picks, and they got DJ Moore. And so the reason why we should have thought a little bit more about the Panthers as being the team that would trade up to get this pick is, well, quite simply, just look at the impatience that <laughs> David Tepper has demonstrated specifically when it came to quarterback, right? I got to do something to get us a quarterback. Uh, roll the dice on Sam Darnold. Roll the dice on Baker Mayfield. Uh, they made the play for Teddy Bridgewater. 
all of those things I actually thought were fairly appropriate moves because I didn't think they were in a position to get like a young guy, a first round pick type to really go ahead and make it happen. I just didn't think they had it. So I got their attempts at the stop gaps, except they were giving up too much. Like you're giving up second round picks, you know, to get in for Sam Darnold, who that one I didn't understand. I saw why you might have thought that Baker Mayfield could get there because you'd seen him be halfway decent before. And Teddy Bridgewater, same thing. Sam Darnold, like, people are just going to have to acknowledge, no, he's just terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, that's just, that's what, that's what got me. Teams are still out here kicking the tires on Sam Darnold, but you thought somebody's going to give up on Justin Fields already. And I say this is somebody who's not all in on Justin Fields. But come on now. But no, Tepper, who you must always remember, bought that team for $2.5 billion cash. He paid cash. There was no financing involved in that deal. He paid cash. That dude was going to be the one to make it happen. And whatever it took to make it happen, he has demonstrated his willingness to pay upfront costs on those sorts of things. Boom. Now they got the number one pick. Now I don't know who the hell they're going to take. Because this is one of those drafts for me. I don't think any of those guys are top to bottom number one picks, right? So what I mean by that is, Cam Newton is a guy where it's just like, oh, that guy looks like is the number one pick. Andrew Luck was a guy like, oh, that guy's the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence is that guy. I got questions about all these dudes in the draft. All of them. Bryce Young, the question is size. Stroud is the one I probably have fewer questions about than anybody else. Will Levis, my question is, when am I going to go on YouTube and actually watch this dude play football? And Anthony Richardson... The guy that has the most questions and is also the most mind-blowing of all of them. He went there to the uh, to the combine and was just like, y'all want to see me do some tricks? I do a lot of really interesting, cool tricks. So the Panthers traded up. My thought on this is they didn't trade up to get a guy. They traded up to make sure that they could get the guy that they wanted and paid a premium in order to do that. Which, I don't know about that. Like, strategically, I don't know if that's the move that I would make. I probably would have tried to get in at three with Arizona rather than go to the one. Unless you just, I mean, you know what guy you want or you know there's two or three that you'll probably want and you go through it. Okay, cool. You go ahead and get that one. My thought is this, and this will seem counterintuitive. But if you have traded away DJ Moore, your best receiver, to go in this draft and get a quarterback. I say go take Anthony Richardson and don't play him. Like, I think whatever it is, best case scenario, if you take Anthony Richardson, is to put him on ice for a year and try to work on those mechanics that make him so inaccurate. Because you're not going to have to teach him the harder stuff, right? You're not really going to have to teach him the processing. You're not going to have to teach him to keep his eye up and look down the field and all of that stuff. You're just going to need to fix his feet. From what everybody has told them, I would convince myself that I could do that. But I would want to take a year, very similar to Mahomes, who had a lot of uh, mechanic stuff that had to be fixed before he could get out there. If you're going to have nobody for the dude to throw to, whoever that quarterback is, don't put him on the field. right? And maybe that's the play. Maybe that's ultimately it. But I do know this. It's March. And I'm talking about the NFL with way more fervor than I talk about the NCAA tournament. It's not really your fault, college basketball. Blame it on the greedy football people. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. 
This first story is from travel. My name is Lori Aratani, and I cover transportation for the Washington Post. I recently wrote about the Department of Justice's attempt to block a merger between JetBlue and Spirit Airlines. To me, this story raises a lot of really interesting issues. One is that there's been a lot of concern about whether airlines have gotten too big. Today, four carriers, American, Delta, United, and Southwest, pretty much dominate the market, which means depending on where you live, folks don't always have a lot of choice when it comes to buying a plane ticket. And so you have JetBlue arguing that, well, we need to compete with these guys. And the only way we can do that is by merging with another airline so we'll be bigger. So now you're looking at this combination of JetBlue and Spirit. JetBlue is this quirky airline that's tried to carve out a niche in the market by offering, say, a bit more legroom and other amenities that other larger carriers offer, but for a slightly lower fare. And then you have Spirit, which is all about cheap tickets and not so much about customer service. I know there have been a lot of jokes about Spirit over the years, but one of the points the Department of Justice is raising in its attempt to block this merger is that Spirit does appeal to a particular segment of the market that wants really cheap fares and doesn't care about extra legroom, being able to pick a seat before they board the plane, or even check a bag. They just really, really want a cheap plane ticket. So the government is arguing, well, if this merger goes through and spirit disappears, it means that folks who can't afford to spend a lot of money to fly, people who really want a very cheap plane ticket might be locked out of the market because other carriers are just too expensive. JetBlue, on the other hand, says we'll make Spirit a better airline by making it more like JetBlue. So now we'll see what happens. Yo, I have to say, I was terrified when I heard this story that it was going to be about how JetBlue was going to become more like Spirit. Now that I find out Spirit is going to be more like JetBlue, man, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. They're like, oh, man, these people who don't want to pick out their seats, what are they going to do? <laughs> you need to put a check with a check with a check. Get your money right and come kick it over here with us. Oh, man. Woo. I ain't going to lie, man. I be flying to the airport. I land. I look over there and I see them loud ass yellow Spirit planes and it make my head hurt. I'm like, oh, man, we need to get them out of here. They're bringing the property value down. And I don't mean no disrespect to y'all that's just out here. All y'all want to do is just get on a plane and make it easy. That's fine. I like JetBlue and I was afraid that the JetBlue that I had come to know and appreciate was going to turn into Spirit. But that's not going to happen. Whew. Okay, cool. Got it. We straight. Now. I also find it interesting in hearing that where they're like, oh, no, they're a little bit worried that, um, you know, airlines are too big. They're not enough airlines. The whole damn thing's been an oligopoly from the very beginning. There's never been enough airlines. There's never been like a legitimate space of competition in the game. Understandably, because, I mean, how many operations have the startup capital for an airline? An airline. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many planes do you need? For an airline, what you gonna do, buy new? You know what I'm saying? Are you gonna buy used? You gonna go get them old planes to act like Cubans do with them cars and go tweak them up super, you know, make sure they don't never break down? Like, is that what it's gonna be? I don't know. But yeah, no, nah, this, uh, let me stop. All my privilege. 
is coming out in this. I am terribly sorry for all you folks who will not have them spirit airline fares to get you to where you need to be. Because, I mean, this is the truth, though, like, for some people. And uh, ain't nothing like walking past the spirit gate on certain flights, like that Atlanta to Miami spirit, whichever direction it is. Oh, man, you see some people. You see some fascinating humans uh, on that particular route. But, yeah, I was afraid we was going to lose JetBlue. Now we lose the spirit. Two Americas on how that affects you. All right, this next story is from Lifestyle. This is Daniel Cox. I'm the director of the Survey Center on American Life, and I want to share a quick take on an article I wrote for Insider. Gen Z's Dating Revolution. American dating has long been an experiment of throwing strangers together and hoping for the best. And it's a formula that has largely worked. About half of Americans report that they did not know their spouse at all before they started dating. But this approach to finding a partner is undergoing a dramatic change. Even as online dating has made it easier and more efficient to meet people, more young adults are finding a partner or spouse in their friend network. In fact, more than half of young women say their current partner was a former platonic friend. This is more than double the rate for older women. Some of this is probably about disappointment with the dating apps. Having nearly endless options can result in decision fatigue and feelings of, of greater doubt about the person you eventually select. One young woman described the process of online dating as scrolling endlessly through Netflix in search of a show or movie you want to watch, but after an hour of not making a decision, you end up not watching anything at all. But there are other reasons as well. First, dating someone you know makes it easier to establish trust. It can also make dating a lot more fun by eliminating some of the anxiety and uncertainty around dating. It's generally a safer proposition as well, as there are more social consequences for misbehavior. The good news is that the best research shows that no matter how you met your partner or spouse, it has little bearing on the quality or the longevity of your relationship. So I found that thing about dating platonic friends interesting because, all right, Gen Z, and I don't know if we go into like Gen AA after them. I have no idea like what the characterization is going to be. Like we came up with Gen X. The plan was not for it to just be a string of letters because otherwise we'd have started with an earlier letter, right? We wouldn't have just all the way got to the end. But anyway, they don't seem to like want to go places. You know, like in terms of like the, the, the methods of socializing and things like that. Like you hear people talk about like their kids, for example, the computers and all of this stuff and that connectivity has made it such that you can be connected to people without actually having to go outside. You know what I mean? Like you don't, the circumstances in which you're getting around new people, the internet lets you do that a lot more gradually and smoothly and easily. And so people can get to know each other via like internet means without explicitly getting to know each other you know like you follow the right person on twitter depending upon how they kick it out there you basically feel like you know that person you can gather all the details you want depending upon how close you pay attention you can get a look at how they talk to other people how you do all these things but you can get that information without having to explicitly seek it out or go through this process that people find to be uncomfortable and everything else. And so when I hear this idea that people are finding their spouses um, through platonic friendship, honestly, what that sounds like to me, and this isn't everybody, I'm sure, but I bet it's a part of it. It's a whole bunch of dudes that's too scared to step. And then just been out there demonstrating who they are as a person 
And then gradually it kind of gets around and you kind of figure out what it's going to be. And then you're like, oh, I think she kind of likes me. Oh, I think I kind of like her. Hey, let's kind of go somewhere. Hey, everybody realizes they haven't had sex in a really long time. In some cases, never. Hey, you know, maybe me and you. Okay, cool. Like I could see that, like that set of circumstances getting it together. Because to me, the I found a platonic friend. I mean, I found a dating partner from platonic friendship. I don't know how platonic that friendship was in the first place. Like maybe it was a little different when I was younger, but pretty much I don't think I got any platonic friends at this point that ain't like friends. I'm trying to really like legitimately look back in my life and be like, how when did that turn from I thought we were friends to oh, this is something. And don't get me wrong. I've had a couple. I thought we were friends and then it turned. I didn't want to be friends with any of them. It just worked out that way. Then I looked out one day and was like, did I get myself out of, did I do the impossible? Did I emerge from the friend zone? And that's the thing, man. Maybe this whole generation, the concept of the friend zone ain't going to be a thing. And I know there's lots of people out there when they hear you talk about the friend zone and they act like, oh, it's so like you, oh, you call it the friend zone. You act like you're entitled. No, I don't act like I'm entitled to nothing. But we have all been there where we thought that we was making a move. We thought we was making it happen. And then you find out she thinks you're the friend and you're like, but we not, we don't, why am I spending all this money? Like what, 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 like how does, how does this go? This generation might not know nothing about that. Hmm. Ain't that something? All right. This last story, the journalist can join us, but Atlanta, they have a new 85 acre, $90 million public safety training facility, more commonly referred to as Cop City, that has garnered massive protests last Sunday. The facility, which is intended to give police an opportunity to train for real-life scenarios such as burn buildings, classroom settings, and urban policing, is being called out for both destroying the environment around the South River Forest, which is home to many Latino and Black folks, and is also being criticized as proof of furthering the militarization of the police. There have been two like really big incidents uh, to occur there. In January, environmental activist 26-year-old Manuel Esteban Paez Terran allegedly shot a state trooper and was uh, killed by Atlanta police who claimed the shooting was in self-defense. In response to that, protesters last Sunday escalated after 35 people were detained and 23 were charged with domestic terrorism, bur- burning like buildings and setting off fireworks, throwing rocks, and it was basically a riot that occurred in this uh, cop city area. The moral of the story for me about this Cops are cops are cops. No matter how you feel about them, whatever it is, the cops are the cops are the cops, basically no matter where you are. And I say that in particular about this because as it relates to race, the issue with the cops is not what color they are, it's the color of the people on the other side. So this is Atlanta right this is wakanda let them tell it right in that movie they don't tell you about the south side of wakanda though where them boys is over there they need to get them on the fighting force you dig they they out there practicing on each other on the other side of wakanda i guess because in atlanta man atlanta has this crazy level of income inequality and this weird thing not even weird it's just what it is black political power in atlanta has been maintained by a willingness to go along with the status quo of the business interests of the city, right? Like there ain't going to be nothing radical that's going on coming out of the city of Atlanta, at least not from like 
of government structure. That's that's not that's not, the trade was made differently. Okay, now don't get me wrong. You still got all these people like Buckhead trying to succeed. All the white people part of town always try to like stop giving their tax dollars to anything that involves black people. But all that going on, and I'm just saying, Atlanta being the black city that it is, they still out here doing stuff like this. Because in the end, the cops are the cops are the cops. And you could put black people in charge of the city and they still going to look to cops to accomplish the same goals as people do in every other place. And so this thing, like, as my understanding, the students at the Atlanta University Center, shout out to y'all. They've been running up on it. You know what I mean? To, to protest and do what need be done. Parker, you AUC guy also. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to even, even you Morehouse people out there doing that, even though y'all are school full of cops. Y'all over there doing it. Hey, look. I'm gonna let you get by a lot of slander on Morehouse. I ain't gonna let you call us cops now. Come on now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not. Ex- I'm, I'm here. I'm here for Morehouse later. Don't get me wrong, but we ain't cops. Relax. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not explicitly cops because honestly, you guys aren't that tough. Hey. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, yeah. You didn't see that one coming, got you. Uh, but yeah, but that's. I mean. I think that's the message that people need to take and people need to like learn and get out of this when we start talking about these matters of policing is that it's institutional stuff that we're dealing with. And when people talk about like abolishing the police, which to me sounds crazy, but the point is this isn't something that you can gradually fix. It's probably something that needs to be destroyed and built up from the ground up. The problem is after you destroy it, we ain't got no police. Where am I get this report from when they break in my car and I need to get insurance, right? I know that's a triviality that I mentioned it right there. But I think that but that's the thing I think that holds a lot of people up from this discussion. But the bottom line is they out here building the cop city and the people are like, we don't want that. And they're like, ah, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. Uh, the voicemail topic for this week is tell us the craziest thing you've seen at a mall. Yo, and right fast, man. I feel like Parker people got us mixed up. They were like, y'all shouldn't have said what y'all said about Sean Kemp. It was no charges. And I'm like, I could have swore I got on there and said I watched the video and he comported himself like a man who didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I don't actually understand what anyone's problem with that would have been. He, we, we were very kind to I was like, look, I saw that man get back in his porch Panamera, and I was like, oh, I have misjudged this circumstance based on the initial story. Man, y'all just be looking to get, get like, man. Hey, did you see that thing where them dudes at the Daily Wire are trying to get Brett Favre to sue me? What? Yeah. I, I thought that he saw, uh, sued Pat McAfee. Yeah. Yeah, so they sue Pat McAfee, they sue Shannon Sharp, and so for some reason they have Brett Favre's lawyer on, and this guy, and he's talking about how those guys have popped off and everything else, and then some guy pops up, y'all to sue Bomani Jones, he's had a lot to say about Brett Favre, but I'm like, first of all, no I haven't, like I've had things to say, but I ain't really had a lot, because there's not that much to say, but number two, let me tell you something about HBO, dog. they got lawyers, bruh, we had to run that script by so many people. Because we were not going to let this very thing happen. We had a fake commercial for Wrangler Jeans that we came up with. And HBO was like, nah, we think Brett Favre might sue us. I don't think there was nothing wrong with it. But they shut us down. People were like, well, why didn't they sue Brett Favre? Because we talked to lawyers. 
I mean, why did they sue Paul? Why do y'all want them to sue me? Like, I just can't believe how stupid you motherfuckers are. Round and round at every turn. That I just deal with you. Man, they said... Like, you think you could just get sued for saying something? Saying something? That's it? And why would you say it out loud? That's all I'm saying. Why would you try to get this man to sue me? Anyway, if you want to know why those guys got sued and we did not, it's because in every meeting when somebody put something in the script that said, or even said, Brett Favre stole from poor people, we have somebody to pop up and say, well, actually, Brett Favre gave the money back and has not been convicted of, or been charged with any crime. Therefore, you cannot say Brett Favre stole. Hey, you need to go look into Bomani Jones. Let him do it. Let him do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to talk about this. Talk. We are simply going to talk. But we're going to talk face to face. Out here rooting for somebody to sue me. Different level of hating. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to get us all disconnected here. But yes, after the Sean Kemp story, I figured you guys had funny mall stories. Uh, Yeah, so this first one is from Brett from Georgia. What's up, Bo? This is Brett from Georgia. Um, this story is actually not about what I've seen, but it involves something my neighbor seen in the story he told. So my neighbor, I'm going to call him P. He was on Instagram, and, you know, I moved to Atlanta a few years ago, and he was talking about how he had just been at the mall to get some stuff, and he's getting in his car, sees this guy running out with an AR-15 with some money, and a stack of money just falls out of his pocket like Little bit stat might be, might have been a thousand even more, and he says he says to my neighbor P, "Hey homie, you can keep that." So after seeing this story on Instagram live, my neighbor P, he's very successful, got a couple of Airbnb properties, makes a lot of money, but he's he's a fake he's a fake guy too. So I called him up and I said, "Hey man, now he never keep in mind he never mentioned them all." But just knowing about the story he told, I just say this. Brother, God done bless you too much for you to be shopping at Green Brown Mall. <laughs> I'm all, bro. <laughs> I have to say, because every now and then I do have to go shopping at Green Brown Mall for shoes. I am at Green Brown Mall for shoes. And uh, the hardest thing to find at Green Brown Mall is somebody go get you a size. That great resignation hit Greenbrier Mall hard. But yeah, somebody running out with an AR-15 and a stack of money. I'm going to be honest with you. You can rob a mall with a much smaller gun. I mean, John Moran can rob a mall with that gun he had. By the way, forgot to mention this. You see that strip club snitched on him? Yes, we, we did see that. I just don't. This is, this is honestly a mind-blowing thought to me. <laughs> if a man come into your strip club and spend $50,000 the least he can expect is that you ain't going to put the footage out. Like, I would imagine you'd like him to come back. Well, except Very he did bring a gun that one time. Anyway, moving on. Allegedly. All right. Uh, this next one's uh, from Jawan from Virginia. What's going on to the whole right time family? Bo, Adi, Jawan from Virginia telling you about the craziest thing I've seen at the mall. One of the craziest things I've seen at the mall, Greenbrier Mall, <laughs> Chesapeake, Virginia, probably like in ninth grade. So we talking like 1996, 97. I hadn't, you know, started making my own little money yet. So, of course, uh, 
my daddy sent my mama some money to take me school shopping. So we in the mall, we about to walk into either, I think it was called Leggett back then or Hex. Not really sure. Uh, we ain't had no Macy's or anything like that down in Tidewater quite yet. Uh, so we're about to walk into the store and we are walking. We are walking and I'm standing side by side by my mother and, uh, not, I was kind of growing into my own body and I'm probably about six foot around that time, about 220, play a little ball, uh, and I see a man running full speed ahead towards my mother, uh, and he has a handful of uh, what comes to be polo sweaters, and those polo sweaters like fly up into the air when he's about 10 feet away from my mother because the security at the at the store uh, tackle him and start putting the paws on him. Like those sweaters start flying. So it's like, I don't know how he had like all the sweaters and sweatpants. This is like the, the heavy sweatsuit days. So all these clothes start flying in the air. And where I'm from, when something like that happens, you just kind of keep walking and mind your business. But um, I can't lie, as we got closer to those polo sweaters and sweatpants and all of that, I looked down at a couple of them. <laughs> uh, and before I could check the tag to see if they was my size, my mama just looked at me and said, um, don't you even think about it. And we just turned around and walked the other way. We didn't even go inside the store. So that's it. Craziest thing I saw in the mall. Peace. <laughs> By the way, so this Great Brown Ball everywhere. I thought he was going to tell us another one about Great Brown Ball in Atlanta. By the way, Brent, Brent, Behobie, I hear you, dog. I ain't giving you the special shout out, but I ain't want you to think I ain't know who that was. I hear you, big dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am amazed that you even thought about boosting in front of your mama. I think that's the that's the only part right there. But, you know, talking about opportunity, I suppose. All right. This last one didn't leave a name, but uh, here it is. Hey, Bo. Wanted to tell you the craziest thing I have seen in a mall. All right. I used to work at an athletic footwear, footwear retailer for about four years, and I had this manager named Ron. And Ron wanted to make some money on the side. So what did Ron start doing? He started selling some shoes, mostly Jordans out the back door. In about 2011, the Air Jordan Concords came out. Now, Ron really wasn't from the area, and he didn't really understand the euphoria that was about to hit these streets. What do you got, damn Jordans? Jerron tells about half the stock in the Jordans. Tells everybody, hey, we open up at 8 a.m. The day comes, Ron don't show up until 10 o'clock. By then, crowd of people outside the door. No one. I won't work in that day. So I was going to take it off because I don't want to deal with nothing that. I don't like that. So, Ron calls me and says, hey, can you come in? Crazy crowd. I came in late. I need somebody to help control. So I was like, all right, I got you. So I come in. By the time I show up, Ron's in the office crying because he thinks he's about to lose his job because he done sold half the stock. We're the only people who have the shoes now and the crowd's going crazy. So I go out there, try to settle the people down, and insults, curls, any kind of words that could be said to anybody with being out there just hurled out. I'm like, oh, no. So, in the end, called up Mall Security. Mall Security was over there trying to calm the crowd down. We ended up having to pass out half tickets. The whole entire time, Ron's in the back, scared for his life, getting calls from general, uh, the district manager, other managers, finding out because 
small security, done called district managers, and now Ron's scared he's about to lose his job, and he's just trying to sell out what half a stock he has because Ron thinks he's going to find – they're going to find out he's going to start selling the shoes out the back door. So after that, Ron went around for much longer. Side so he missed home, went home, and got another one. All right, folks, thanks for your time. Yo, Ron needed to quit as soon as he sold them shoes out the back. I don't know what in the world did Ron think was going to happen. They ain't got enough J's as is. You're going to sell half of them. Them people did not come to that store to try to get shoes. They came to get shoes. They were going to leave with shoes. Wow. Not a very bright man. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Parker Owens and Dan Stancic handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thank you to our, if you haven't heard, contributors. Thanks to Lori Aratani of the Washington Post. Check out her story about the JetBlue Spirit merger at WashingtonPost.com. Thanks to Daniel Cox of Business Insider. Check out his story about Gen Z's new relationship trends. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.